The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. If you're able, please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. It'll be in 2 Corinthians, and it'll be in chapter 4. If you'll turn there, children, you can be dismissed to my left. If you'll make your way to the worship center and a wonderful time of Bible teaching and singing. And uh, just to my left, the rest of you not only make your way to first, did I say second? I meant first Corinthians chapter four, first Corinthians chapter four. If you're using the pew Bible, page 953 verses one through five, no cheats provided, but the no cheat is wrong. So forget it, but, uh, but it'll be up here for you. What's right? I'm sorry for the mess. It's not a big mix-up, but a little bit of a mix-up. And uh, but I just want you to know it'll be right up on the pages, up on the screen for you. Sorry, it's probably my fault. It usually is. First Corinthians chapter four. Look with me now in First Corinthians chapter four, verse one. This is God's word that is read in your hearing. It's the truth. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ. And stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful or trustworthy. That they be found faithful or trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord. Who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one, then on that day of that judgment, then each one will receive his commendation from God. The grass withers, the flower fades, God's word abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. Last week was a a week that I was busy, but I was busy away from Birmingham in Atlanta for two reasons. One was with an extraordinary decadial meeting, uh, the meeting of a decade of campus outreach, uh, international and national on Monday and Tuesday. And then an annual meeting I go to of PCA pastors who we pray together, hold each other accountable, uh, encourage one another, and discuss how we can be used in our denomination and from our denomination to the world. These uh, 20 men that I've been meeting with for almost 30 years now have become good friends. Uh, some of them, you, many of you would know, but one of them I know that you know that uh, because he's almost 
a proverbial son of this church, uh, although really he's up the road a piece in, uh, from Gadsden. And that is our dear friend, uh, Randy Pope, who's been here to speak and a dear friend of mine. I want to share with you something Randy said that pertains directly to our two-year theme, Lifestyle of Evangelism and Discipleship. Why are we asking God through these two years to build at the core, the periphery, the circumference, the substance of this church, a lifestyle of evangelism and discipleship in all of its ministries and in all of its members? Why? Well, maybe this story would help you. This just happened this week. Um, Randy has just this last year uh, re, uh, retired, but really retreaded. He is no longer the lead pastor of Perimeter, but he's now the assistant pastor, an assistant pastor at Perimeter. His responsibility is the core ministry of Perimeter that he himself developed over a number of years. It's called Life on Life Discipleship. That's his job now, is Life on Life Discipleship. Our dear friend Jeff Norris, who uh, many of our students was were in his ministry at Campus Crusade at the University of Alabama, is now, quote unquote, the lead pastor. And, and Randy is assistant pastor, and it's Life on Life Discipleship. And he said, let me give you one of the reasons why he said, that became my retirement, quote, unquote, Randy's not retired, focus, his retread, not retire, retread. Why, why was that? He said, a number of years ago, we, con- we commissioned a study. We commissioned a two-year study of a five-mile radius around uh, our perimeter location. Uh, we, and we went five miles out. We identified all of the ministries in that five-mile arena, that area. And we went to them to find out what they were doing and how we at Perimeter could support them better for the extension of the kingdom as we attempted to minister faithfully for our Savior. And he said, an amazing, the survey uncovered an amazing response that was almost 100% of all of those ministries. I said, well, what was it? (laughs) He said, they told us, just keep doing what your church is doing. Our best, our best people involved in our ministry all come from your church. And the reason they're so good is because they're being discipled. Just keep on discipling. Well, you can imagine at that moment, almost to the embarrassment of everyone else, I was ready to blow a whistle and put my hands up. Touchdown! See, we're back to what I... I want the, I want the world to come to Christ. I want to bring Christ to the world. I want every member to be the salt of the earth. I want every member to be a light to the world. We need it desperately. But folks, it won't happen unless the church stays on its mission, on message, and in ministry. What is our mission? That which is repeated five times, four Gospels in the book of Acts, the Great Commission. What is our, what is our work product? 
Christians discipled who know how to live the great commandment to love the Lord with all their heart, soul and mind and their neighbor as themselves. And what is the re- and how do we do that? Through the Great Commission four ministries, the ministry of upreach worship, the ministry of outreach, the ministry of upreach to God worship, the ministry of outreach to the world evangelism, the ministry of inreach loving one another, the ministry of inreach to one another to love one another, and then the ministry of downreach, and that is to be discipled and to disciple others. That's what we exist to do. So you remember our three mantras. I'm going to give them again. Here they are. The first one is this. The church has a mission. It is narrow and focused. It is to it is to evangelize and make disciples who have a lifestyle of evangelism and discipleship. The mission of the Christian is broad and comprehensive. That in all things, remember what you just confessed when we went through Colossians 1, 15 through 20. What did we say? That Christ made us, that Christ saves us, that Christ sustains us, that Christ is preeminent. And in our lives, he is to have preeminence in what? Come on, folks. All things, everything. There's our mission. That in all things, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we do all to the glory of God. So that brought us to our third maxim. And that's this. Unless the church, if the church does not stay committed to its mission, narrow, then Christians will not be able to do their mission, which is broad and comprehensive. In other words, the church is not a civic organization, but we decide people, we decide Disciple people who go into civic organizations as salt and light. We're not a philanthropic organization, but we disciple people who start and enter philanthropic organizations as salt and light. We are not a political party, but we disciple people who go into political parties as salt and light. That's what we do. That's what we exist for. On mission, on message in ministry. And here's the deal. There are a lot of blessings when a church does that. And you can't even let those blessings become the mission of the church. Our mission is not church growth. That's a consequence of being on mission. Our mission, uh, our mission is, I mean, our mission is not just um, uh, mercy and love. That's a consequence of what we do when we decide. Disciple people to worship, evangelize, love and learn. That's what they take into the family. That's what they take into their extended family. That's what they take into their community. How do we do this? How does the church do this? Because the church becomes here's my here's my picture for you. It's a discipleship funnel. It has a large entry point. It's called what we're doing right now. Lord's Day worship. Then you come down the funnel, it gets a little bit more narrow in what we call congregational communities. And then out of those congregational communities, we've got small groups. They meet in homes. They meet on Wednesday nights. They're men's groups. They're women's groups. And then you even get smaller groups. Now, we are not, we, we didn't come up with that. We're just copiers. We're copying Jesus. Multitude, 70, 12, 3. Product, Evangelize disciples who evangelize and disciple others.
maturation to multiplication through mobilization. But the church has got to stay on mission. It's got to stay on message. So what we said was, where do we to do it to to disciple people uh, with a lifestyle evangelism? How do we do that? And I'm suggesting we simply go back and and uh, resurface uh, what we've always done, which we used to call it the basics. I'm just asking you now to call it the five foundations, the five foundations. And they all build on each other. The first one, the first foundation. And this is at the bottom. This is the core is that we want to make sure every member of Briarwood through worship, through congregational communities, through a small group, is in the funnel. Now watch, you're in the funnel and you're a part of the funnel. You're not only in the funnel being blessed by it, you're part of the funnel blessing others with it. And then as you're engaged in it, and as you as you as you see what the Lord is doing, where, where do we need to start? You got to have got to get to the foundation. Superstructure is only so good as the foundation. So we're putting five foundational blocks in place. Number one is Christianity 101. Everybody a theologian. What is eternal life? That you know God. Know God. God theo. Knowology. Theology, that everyone is a theologian. You know God intimately, accurately from his word. Secondly, how do you know God? God has ordained the means for you to grow. They're called the disciplines of grace. You have private disciplines of grace and public disciplines of grace. And then then when that happens, this is today, that leads you to a life stewardship. Stewardship of every arena of life. Lifestyle stewardship where Christ is preeminent in every arena aspect of your life. Increasingly, imperfectly, yes, but increasingly and intentionally. What will that lead you to? That leads you to being a missionary and an ambassador for Jesus. That leads you to doing personal evangelism. Everybody, everyone evangelizing everybody, everywhere, every day. And then what will that lead to? Ha, here's what that leads to. That leads to true worship. Gathered worship on the Lord's day and lifestyle worship. Remember what the Bible says in Romans 12? I beseech you, brothers, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of life worship. Gathered worship. Giving praise to God, which is glorious, because before you came to Christ, what did you do? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now that you're saved, you want to magnify the glory of God. So that's the process. And by the way, that's the, it's interesting that worship is exactly where you get into the funnel. And when you come out the bottom, that makes you more accurate and more pleasing to God as true in true worship. So we've already covered Christianity 101. I'll just remind you what we did in the foundation number one. We said this, the object, the objective of evangelism is eternal salvation. The objective of discipleship is life transformation. How? By the power. Power of the Spirit of God, using the Word of God, it begins with the gospel of grace, which is the foundation, the formation, and the motivation of the Christian life. So what we want to do in this... Now remember, I did one sermon, but we're going to do weeks on this in small groups and in congregational communities. And there's five questions that will be answered in Christianity 101. Number one, what is truth? 
the word of God, the doctrine of scripture. Number two, now you can answer this question. Who is God? Who is God? The doctrine of God. Then you go to a third question. Who is man made in the image of God? Then you can go to a fourth question. What's wrong? That's the doctrine of sin. Then you can go to the fifth question. How can it be made right? That's called the good news, the gospel. Well, how do you get this word by the Spirit? Well, God has ordained means whereby you can drink of God's grace from the fountains of God's grace that he has ordained. They're public and they're private. We call these the means of grace. So let me give you that second foundation, which is the word of God, and the spirit of God. That's the means. Here's Jesus. Now, we'll look, here's Jesus. Two conduits come to you from Jesus, the spirit of God and the word of God. And there are certain places that you go to drink of the fountain of grace, Jesus, through the conduits of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. That is that you go to read the Word, hear the Word, the preaching of the Word. You go to the sacraments. You go to fellowship. So you've got the private means of grace, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible, meditating in the Bible. Then you have the public means of grace, the Word read, the Word preached, the Word sung. The word confessed, the word shared in fellowship, the word displayed in the sacraments, the word, uh, the word returned in public and private prayer. That's the means of grace. And again, weeks that we can spend on that. And then we come to today, the third one. The third foundation. If you've got solid 101 and you're. In the public and private means of grace that God has ordained to know him and make him known for you to grow in grace. The result will be an intentional and increasing life of stewardship. So I want you to go back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 4. And I want you to look at those first two verses. Those first two verses, here's what, here's what um, the Apostle Paul says. This is how one should regard us. He said, here's it. Now, I'm a Christian. That's not my identity. But in my Christianity, here's how you need to regard us apostles. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So, brothers and sisters, let me give you, let me take you behind a place you probably don't want to go. And that's behind the scenes in my mind. So, here's what I got to thinking. When I read the epistles and I read the and I read the uh, the apostles and I read constantly Peter, Paul, these apostles call us fellow servants and they call us fellow stewards. So I said, if they see us as fellow servants and fellow stewards, perhaps we're Paul talks about his servanthood and stewardship, I can get some lessons on my servanthood and stewardship. And I immediately went to 1 Corinthians, where Paul talks about being a servant and a steward. And as he unfolds it, I begin to see, now how does this apply to my life and your life? What does it mean to be a steward? Again, <laughs> again, I can't cover. I've, uh, I haven't got that much longer this morning. I can't cover all this with you, but I won't got good news for you. Our discipleship curriculum is going to give weeks to this. 
I've even got some more news for you. Lifestyle stewardship is our theme next year. So we're coming back here. So I just want to maybe whet your appetite a little bit about stewardship as a lifestyle in being discipled as a steward. So let me tell you where I'm going to start. Here's where I'm going to start. How many of you would like to learn a Greek word this morning? Oh, I'm just overwhelmed at the response. Hold it, hold it. Don't get too excited. Well, I'm not even going to give you one word. I'm going to give you two words that make up one word. The word that when you read the word stewardship, it comes from two Greek words that are contracted together. Oika nomos. Oika nomos. Oika is the Greek word for house. Nomos is the Greek word for rules or laws. So what is stewardship? Rules of the house or the house rules. Did y'all grow up in a home that had rules? Well, if you'd grown up in my home, you would have grown up in a uh, son. You and Vicky will sweep and mop the kitchen floor every day three times. I am an expert at sweeping and mopping. I just it's just built into my life, my DNA. That's what we did. Uh, and you wash the dishes every night and you make up in the bed. You make up the bed in the morning. And as soon as you get home, go to the refrigerator. I'll have the list of what you're supposed to do after you get home from practice and school. And that's what you're going to do. And um, oh, I could go on and on and on, <clears throat> but I don't have time to give you all of them. We had the rules of the house. Now, listen, here, here why would they choose House rules. For st- why would that be so? Here's why. You're a house. You're a house. Who lives in that house? God lives there. God, through the Holy Spirit, has taken up residence. And the God who owns that house is saying to you, I've got certain rules. These rules are not what you do for salvation. These are the rules in the house where I abide because I have saved you. That's why it says two S's about Christian stewardship. Servants of Christ. Stewards of what God has given to you. Trustworthy stewards. Christ's servants. The first one's crucial. You can't be a trustworthy steward until you are his servant. Now, that's an interesting phrase. That's the word doulos. It means a slave of love. In other words, it's someone who had been set free and then out of love to the one who set him free became his slave. It's called a doulos. We were slaves to sin. Jesus set us free because he loved us. Now we who love him become his slaves for life. We're your servants. Bid, O master, and we follow. 
That's the identity mark of those who are in Christ. They are servants of Christ. Then what does God say to his servants? I appoint you as stewards. I now am yours. You are mine. Therefore, all that you have, I gave to you. Now you use it for me. You are stewards, guided by his word as to how your Savior, your Master, your Lord is preeminent in all things in your life. And that's the essence of stewardship. It's not just finances. It's all of life where you're manifesting Christ is preeminent through your joyful service of the one who set you free. You know, it's really interesting. We talk a lot about I was an orphan because of sin. Jesus saved me and now I'm a son of God. So we talk about sonship and we even write songs about it. What I don't hear many people talking about or writing songs about is I was a slave to sin he broke the chains. He, he threw away the bars. Now I am chained by grace and love to my Savior as his servant and slave. From slave ship to sin to slave ship to Jesus. Now we're here to serve him. How do you do that? You do that motivated by the love of Christ and service to follow his word. By the way, now watch how these connect. You're following his word to know how to bring Christ preeminent in everything. Why? Because you're in the means of grace. You got the Lord's Day worship and you're constantly being the funnel of discipleship. And you're in the means of grace, so you're drawing from God's Word by the power of God's Spirit. You're in a congregational community. You're in a small group. You're in an accountability group. And you're growing in that. See, the Christian life isn't lived by intuition. You don't know how to make Christ preeminent in all things by going into a corner, sitting at the lake, looking at the ocean, and contemplating your navel. You've got to get into words. Study to show yourself approved as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly handling the word of truth. You've got to have it preached. You've got to see it displayed in the sacrament. You've got to have it shared in fellowship. You've got to get in it, meditate, memorize. All of those things are happening so that you have got basic truths that undergird you through the means of grace. So that now as a servant of Christ, you know how to give him preeminence in everything. Do you see how these work together? One built upon the other. And as you're now serving him to give him praise and glory and everything, this text tells you there's three things about a steward. Don't miss them. Why are you a steward? Here's your three things. Number one, God has appointed you a steward. And he has appointed the breadth of your stewardship. Some of you have a... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm so dumb about this stuff. Please forgive me. Some of you have a 500 square foot house that Jesus has entrusted to you for his glory and his preeminence. Some of you may have a 5,000 or a 3,000 square foot house. People always, ask, I mean, I, people always ask me about, well, you know, Pastor, what size house is holy? I just don't know. I do know this. 
What's holy is how'd you get it. What's holy is why did you get it. Is this idolatry in your life? It'll kill you. I'm not asking you how big your house is. I'm asking you, does your house have a big hold on you? Or does it belong to Jesus? He owns everything. He owns my house. I want to know, does it use you or do you use it for Jesus? That's what I want to know. I don't know how many, I don't know, in God's providence, I don't know how many zeros are in your bank account. I just want to know, does it have you or does Jesus have it through you? That's what I want to know. That's really the issue. So God has entrusted some of, to some of you adopted children, some of, to you foster children, some of you biological children, some of you two, some of you three, some of you five, some of you eleven. I'm, you're, we love you. Pastors love you. We call you pew fillers. We love you. I don't know how many are entrusted. I don't know what God's entrusted you with children or marriage or singleness. I don't know what. I don't know what the circumference of what God has trusted you. Here's what I do know. I want to equip you. I want you to disciple. So whatever and however and whatever number of things you have, Christ is preeminent in every one of them, not the things and not you. That's what he wants to happen. So he has appointed your stewardship. Secondly, you'll be accountable to the one who appointed you for everything he gave to you. You see what Paul said to you? I read it just then for you. He said, I don't answer to the human courts. Now, he's not disdaining the role of human courts. What he's telling you is, I don't He said, by the way, I don't know. You know who I answer to ultimately for the stewardship of my of what God has entrusted to me as a servant? I answer to him. And one day I will answer to him. One day you will answer to him. All of those things in your life, do they have you or does he have you and he has access to those things? He got them to you and they get through you for him. That's ultimately we will answer to that. It's called the judgment of stewardship. And we all have it. Praise God, I don't have to be at the judgment of salvation. Jesus has already showed up there for me at the cross and purchased me from all of my sins. And I, his righteousness and his blood are my defense. But I will stand before God as a steward of what he has entrusted to me. Did I fritter it away? Did I use it on me? Did I bury it in the bank of self-service? Or did I invest it for the kingdom? That I'm accountable. I'll have to answer to him for this. You and I both will. So that brings me to the third thing. Stewardship is a divine appointment. It has divine accountability. Thirdly, we want to be trustworthy, faithful in this stewardship. Did you hear the last thing Paul said? I will appear before him to receive my, you remember what he said? Anybody remember? My commendation. What do you want to hear about your stewardship on that day when you stand before him? What is it you want to hear? You know what it is, don't you? Well done, good and faithful servant steward. Well done. Perfectly done? No. But well done. I mean, how would you like to be walking by the school and your children are at the playground? 
And they don't know you're there. And as you walk around the corner, they don't know you're there, but you hear one of their playmates ask him, one of their schoolmates ask him, well, tell me about your daddy. And he says, oh, my daddy? Yeah, he's average. Kind of mediocre, really. No, you, you'd love him here and say, oh, my daddy's not perfect, but I'm going to tell you, I got a good daddy. I got a good daddy. Well, I want to hear from my father. Not mediocre done, not haphazardly done, not periodically done, not done if convenient for me. I want to hear, I know I'll never hear perfectly done, and I know I will never be profitable when all said and done, I will never be profitable to my master. But I do want to hear, well done. Good and trustworthy servant. I put you in charge of these things. Now enter in. I'm giving you these things for all eternity. Stewardship, trustworthy stewardship to Christ's servants, accountable. And that is um, that we're accountable where we seek to be trustworthy. So let me give you the takeaway and we're done. Christian stewardship is revealed by a lifestyle that is committed to the preeminence of Christ in all things, flowing from a servant's heart filled with the love of Christ. That's my takeaway for you. That's stewardship. It is a lifestyle committed to the preeminence of Christ in every single thing in our life. And it's flowing from a servant's heart out of a vital relationship of love to Christ. Because it's filled with that love for Christ. Now, normally when people preach on stewardship, they give you the three T's. What are the three T's? Does anyone tell me what are they? Time, treasure, talent, or time, talents, treasure, right? Those are great. I've used them. <laughs> We've used them. They're great. But next year, here's where I'm going to take you. I'm only going to mention it this morning. I'm going to take you to the three R's of stewardship. The three R's. Number one, your responsibilities that God has given to you. God's given me the responsibility as a husband. God's given me a responsibility as a father. And now grandfather. <laughs> That's a, I love that one. I play I mean, up here. I mean, I was just thinking about these wonderful covenant, these families, these covenant children, because that's what they, these children are a stewardship. And they're responsible to be a father and a mother. That's a responsibility they have in the Lord. And that responsibility is not that not that uh, their kid goes away talking about them ultimately, but their kid goes away talking about the Jesus who showed up through them. And their parenting. That's a home run. That's a touchdown. So I've got, I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a grandfather. That shifts a little bit. Then you get a chance to just kind of give some stuff and, and hand them back to the parents and say, now you undo what I just did. I've created a little laboratory for your parenting in these last two days. But you've got to be a grandfather. You've got to be. What does it mean to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ? What does it mean? 
You know, people one time asked me, Harry, how do you prioritize responsibilities and relationships? Here's what I said to them. Here's where you start. Every place you took a vow before God, that's a priority. You remember your marriage vow? You want to be a good steward. You remember your baptismal vows? You remember your membership vows? Elders and deacons, remember your ordination vows? You stand in a courtroom, remember your vow to be a witness of truth? You signed a contract, that's a vow before God? Those things become priorities in your life, and we want to be good stewards. We want to be good stewards as husbands, in responsibilities as husbands and fathers and members. I want, to be a, I, want to, I want to fulfill my responsibility in my vocation. I want to do my work heartily as unto the Lord. I want to fulfill my vows as a citizen. Folks, I, and you're like me, I, got, I want to disciple you so that you understand you live in two kingdoms. You're in the kingdom of God to represent the king of kings into the kingdoms of this world as a citizen of the United States. Jesus is not the, Jesus is not the tribal God of America or the, or the uh, go-to for this country. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords and every king and everyone in authority in this world, I want to call them to bow to King Jesus. And I want to be a citizen who honors the king as I'm a good citizen in my own nation. I'm a, I have a responsibility as an ambassador of Christ. I have a responsibility as an evangelist. I have a, I'm a missionary. I am a disciple. I am a discipler. Good stewardship in my responsibilities, good stewardship in my relationship, my relationship to my wife, my relationship to my children, my relationship to my grandchildren, my relationship to my neighbors. What would your neighbor say about Jesus, knowing you're a Christian? You know, the Lord has given the world the right to make that judgment. They make judgments about our Jesus through what kind of neighbors we are. And then your resources. Yes, finances. But more than that, your talents. You know, I, some of you, I admire you so much because of what you can work with your hands. In fact, we got a whole, there's a, there's a group of stewards of talent. They can, it's unbelievable what they can build, fix, and do. I, it's just absolutely amazing. I praise the Lord for that. I, they bless me and Cindy because they know I can't do what they do. In fact, we had something break this last week, and I said to Cindy, I'll fix it. And she said, no, you won't. She said, let's go ahead and call somebody who can fix it. It'll be a lot cheaper if we go ahead and do it now. But some of you have that amazing ability. Some of you have that amazing ability and you've got spiritual, but you not only have that, you've got spiritual gifts. I want to ask you right now, your gift, you've got one. Jesus said you have one. Your gift, is it operative in the body of Christ right now? What ministry is being blessed by your gift as we fulfill the mission? You've got providential experiences. Folks, I know you go through tough things. Man, I'm just thinking of the people we prayed that have lost loved ones, people that are sick, 
people that have faced this loss of business, loss of job, this and that and the other. As these providential experiences, are you stewarding them? Would you like to know how many people I get the opportunity to connect to other people who are going through difficult times and the people who have already been there stewarded and now comfort them with the comfort they were comforted? They steward their challenges and providential experiences in life. You steward your possessions, your home. How do you use your car? How do you use all of those things? You just say, Jesus owns them. I don't. My finances. I start with the tithe, but that's not where I start because God's got everything. He owns my bank account. He owns every piece of it. So... Again, praise the Lord, I can come back to this all year next year, which means you may not come back next year, but I will. I'll be back to this. All of this. All of this stewardship. And praise the Lord for how it can be used in your life. And I want to praise God for how it has been used in many of your lives. I told you I had two things to tell you from my trip last week. One of them was about Randy and how what he said about perimeter doing discipleship is what blessed everything around them. And that's what we need to do. Praise God. I also wanted to tell you about campus outreach. I'm, I'm now going to fulfill a promise in closing. Here's my promise to them. I can't even tell you how many. Pastors of franchises of campus outreach, campus outreach directors, publicly, privately, overwhelmed me with one message. Please tell Briarwood, elders, pastors, and members, thank you. Thank you. What they're talking about is 1980s. Remember our mission statement? For God's glory, Briarwood is committed to what? Equipping Christians to worship God, reach Birmingham, to reach the world for Christ. Well, one young man that, that laid hold of was a guy named Tom Carradine. He said to Frank, let's get to Samford. Campus Crusade and Varsity, they go to all these big colleges. Let's go to the private ones. Let's go to the second line state ones. Well, let's just go to Samford. Well, that overflowed to Montevallo. That overflowed to West Georgia. And that overflowed to Barrie. And then comes First Presbyterian Augusta. We want to do that down here. Okay, let's give it away to them. And we, the people we were discipling went there to get it started. So a Tom Carradine led to a Curtis Tanner, led to a Kent Bailey, led to a Mike Heron, led to a Brian Lewis. I can't name them all. I, I'll, because now, here's what happened this last week. And then from First Presbyterian Augusta, it goes over to Charlotte, North Carolina, a guy named Harry Reeder in Campus Outreach, and then to Greenville, South Carolina, and then to John Piper in, um, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and then here and there. So this last week, 22 pastors and franchise directors pleaded with me publicly and privately to thank you for your stewardship. Do you know how many tens of thousands of college students have come to Christ and gone into ministry? They pleaded with me thank, and asked me to thank you. The elders for the example. The members for your stewardship and your sacrificial commitment. And you gave it away. 
22 in the United States now franchises. 13, 35 international, 13 international, now 35 altogether. But don't stop there. That, the Lord blessed that so much, we got something called YBL. That gave birth to WBL, women's business leaders. That gave birth to Christian medical ministry. That gave birth to a training of disciples and evangelists called Birmingham Theological Seminary, particularly for bivocational guys in the city of Birmingham. Gave birth to a performing arts ministry of evangelism and discipleship. Gave birth to a sports ministry in a camp. Gave birth to one-on-one a bridge to life training that's being given away to, to church after church, church after church. So praise God for stewardship. So I stand before you thanking God for what's been done. But asking God through Christianity 101, through the means of grace, through learning to be a steward where Christ is preeminent in all things. That while we rejoice for what he's done, the best is yet ahead. One of my favorite uh, RV bumper stickers. Have you read this one behind on an RV? Being of sound mind and body. Being of sound mind, we spend it all. Remember that one? Well, let me give you the Christian version. Being of saved mind, being of transformed mind, we gave it all. We used it all that Christ might go to the world and the world to Christ. Good stewards. Let's pray. Would you just pray just for a few moments? Lord, show me my stewardship. Show me the circumference of what you've entrusted to me. Show me the center of the preeminence of Christ as to why you've entrusted it. Show me the substance of how to use this for Jesus. Just speak with the Lord. You're a steward. Today, while they're praying, if you're here and you've not yet come to this Jesus, who is the steward of eternal life, he's ready to give it to you and make you a steward with a forever life. Because he's ready to save you. You don't have to go be a steward to be saved. You just come to Jesus. Then he's going to give you a great life. A challenging life. Even in a broken world, a life of triumph in Christ. If you would like to pray with someone about committing your life to Christ, may I encourage you to do that today? There's folks up here at the front who will be, our, our, our prayer team is ready to just spend moments with you. If today you're here about stewardship and you want to pray with someone, just take advantage of the prayer team. Oh God, our God, do your work here in our midst. God, we don't, we don't claim to have everything, but we want you to have everything you've given to us. We want the blessing of owning nothing. But being your steward. And you knowing this, Jesus, whatever you get to us, it'll get through us for you. That's what we ask. Because we know little is much when God is in it. I thank you in Jesus' name.
Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.